Well, it's good to be here tonight with you. I was looking back in my records, and according to my record, it says that I was at Cutlerville East on May 16th of 2010. That's a long time ago. I've noticed a few things when I came in and when I stand up here, you're using a screen or projection. The lights are really bright. You're probably getting a glare off of my bald head. I'll not apologize that, but that's just for that, but that's just the way it is, right? And uh, I'm also realizing from looking at the majority, I probably didn't need to wear a tie. And, uh, but I'll keep it on just to uh, respect and honor those who have ties on. I was an appreciation for that. And so it's, it's good to be here. It's, it's good to see that some things change. Um, if you noticed, I was looking around like for the words here, but they were printed here, and Julie came up and said, where'd the little laptop go? It was here, and I moved it aside, but I realized I was supposed to be looking at that for the words, but it wasn't connected anyway, so so much for technology, right? Anyway, it's, it's good to be here tonight, and uh, I mean that. Um, we've been a part of your classes, and when I say we, I'm talking about In Spirit Church. We've been a part of your classes since uh, inception in uh, 2008. And uh, God has been faithful, very faithful. Um, the church has done well um, in reaching existing Christians and lots of new Christians. Um, I'll be honest with you, probably just as your church, COVID has done its, taken its toll and uh, forced us to make some changes. And obviously, there's just lots of fallouts. And um, as you've probably seen too, different opinions on masking and worshiping and seating and political um, positioning and so forth. And uh, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time for churches. But God is good. And uh, I pray that God has been good here at East. Um, I was at a retreat with your pastor two years ago in fall. And uh, you got a great pastor and a spouse, and uh, we got to know them a little better. And uh, all of the pastors are being called into a meeting Thursday and I think that's our first meeting in like a year and a half. And uh, anyway, I'm kind of canceling my vacation. I was supposed to start this afternoon, but decided to work so I could stay for the classes meeting. And it's going to be good to get an update on Thursday of what really is happening in our churches, kind of post-COVID, and where churches are at. Um, while the enemy wants to, to destroy, right, the enemy wants to do his damage, sometimes I think that God just has a way of allowing some of these things just kind of for us to look at our priorities and look at what we're doing and to make sure that we're focused on the right things and that we're rooted in his word and that we're trusting in him. And uh, I, I pray that God continues to speak. I think whenever God wants to do, when you look back in history, right, and you look at the Bible, this wasn't just a U.S. thing. This is worldwide. And I think it's God's way of getting our attention. And it's his way of just saying, trust me. Just trust me. And when you look back, and I want to share that in, in, by looking at Psalm 34 tonight, um, as I was sharing with a couple of your council members downstairs, um, I want to share a little bit of my story for the past year and a half, um, and then I want to look at it in terms of it being God's story, but then also your story. And um, maybe it's a different style tonight. The focus isn't to be on me while I tell you my story of what happened in the last year, but the story is really about God's story and what God has done. And when I look in Scripture, when I look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus told stories, didn't he? 
much of Jesus' ministry was telling stories. He went around telling stories. And people can identify with stories. People's lives are changed and, and impacted and touched by stories. There's something personal, personal about stories. And uh, so tonight, I'm going to invite you to uh, first look at 1 Samuel 21, if you have your Bibles. 1 Samuel 21. And uh, we're going to kind of use that as a backdrop before we get to Psalm 34. And the reason I'm doing that is because Psalm 34 is the Psalm of David, but it's back in yeah, 1 Samuel 21 is really the account or the story. It's the context for the Psalm that David wrote. So the story of what happened to David, as we find it in Chronicles, we see that story unveiled. But it's in Psalm 34 where he comes back and he kind of gives a recap. And it's that recap, it's that Psalm 34 that I want to focus on tonight. But to get there, we'll look at 1 Samuel 21. And let's pray before we do that. Father, again, we come to you. And we want to hear from you, not, not me. We want to hear from your word. So Lord, just, just quiet our hearts tonight. Just help us to put life on pause, life on hold for a few minutes so that we can hear from you, that we can glean from your word, and that we can take that with us and apply it to our lives today. Again, Lord, we just uh, we do this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Samuel 21, this is an account of David at Gath. It says, That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David? The king of the land, isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Now, if you think of the context with that, I'm jumping off the, the script here, but if you look at the context of this, this is after David and Saul have this, there's this tension going on, right? And they're saying, Saul has killed his thousands, David's killed his ten thousands. And David's getting all of the praise and Saul is sort of being put in the back, and now he goes to another king, and the king is saying, wait a minute, isn't this the guy who got all the praise and the king did in the other country? There's this tension, if you will. It says, yes, Saul has slain his thousands, David's his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. He's afraid of the new person. So he pretends to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hand, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at that man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? There's a lot there. Jump ahead to chapter 22, verse 1. It says, David left Gath. He left that scene and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's households heard about it, they went down to him there. That's the backdrop, the chaos, the tension, the fear, if you will, the personal, the political background. David's pretending out of fear, right? He's in a bad situation. He knows his life is in danger. And it's out of that context he writes Psalm 34. Now look at Psalm 34. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. 
His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foe of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Keep your Bibles open to that passage because I'm going to come back to it a bit. I share that passage with you. As I said, I want to share with you my story, which is really God's story, but then your story, which is really all of our stories. And as I said, that's what Jesus taught. That's how Jesus taught, by telling stories. And I think God's stories have to be told today. When you and I look at the news, I, don't, I can't recall when I've heard at the end of a newscast that this was a miracle from God. Or this is nothing less than a God story. I hear words like, boy, luck was with that person today. Boy, boy, isn't it, isn't it a lucky thing, right? Do you hear that at the end of the newscast where you, somebody's giving credit to God? And I think God is working today. God is working today in so many ways, and we can get so caught up in the world that we don't always see things. And as I said before, sometimes I think God allows things to happen so that we have to trust in him, right? Our help comes from the name of the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And when I look at this psalm, David undoubtedly recognizes the trouble he was in and how God answered his prayers. So when I say telling stories for his glory, on December 6th of 2019, I was serving as a volunteer at the conference grounds in Grand Haven. It was a concert. It was a dinner concert that night, a fundraiser Christmas concert for the grounds. My wife, by God's providence, was not with me. And that rarely happens because she's been on staff there for 25 years. We always serve together. But that weekend, she was serving at a special needs camp just north of the Illinois border in southern Wisconsin. She was not with me. I got in my pickup at 9.30 at, or 9 o'clock at night at the conference grounds and left to come back to Cutlerville 
where I would preach the next day. And on my way home on M45 at exactly 9.30, a drunk driver hit me head on. That was the first impact. The second impact was when my truck slid sideways and slammed into a pole. All of the airbags went off. The smoke was coming inside and they took me out by opening the door and there I stood. I didn't realize how bad I was hurt until a few minutes later when I couldn't breathe easily and had such incredible pain. I went to the hospital. I had internal bleeding. I had broken ribs. I had punctured lungs. My ankles, my knees, my legs, my arms, my face, glass cuts and bruises. Spent a couple days in the hospital and then left. When the insurance adjuster went to look at the truck, his first thing was, somebody got out of here alive? A miracle. At the same time, my kidneys had been failing for the previous year. And for those of you who may know anything about your health and your blood work, my GFR rate was down to like 11, which means my kidneys really weren't functioning well at all. And I knew that dialysis was probably months ahead. And if not dialysis, things didn't look good. So I was hoping that maybe one day I could get a transplant. So the accident didn't help the kidney, but the accident didn't, wasn't the cause of the continuing kidney failure. But by February, they had done vein mapping on me, and they were preparing me for dialysis. At the same time in February, we went to University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And Ann Arbor said, you may be a candidate for a transplant. We need to do an evaluation. So they did an evaluation. We were there for two days, and they said, yes, you're a good candidate, but finding a kidney, your blood type, and with all of your antibodies isn't going to be easy, and there's over 7,000 people waiting in our region for a kidney. And you all know what happened by April. COVID hit, and the hospital shut down. And the only people that they would do surgeries on were absolutely those who were absolutely necessary, and they kept the hospital open for COVID. In May, we got a call from the University of Michigan, and they said to my wife, Lisa, we need your kidney. She was going to be a donor. We need your kidney. And they said, would you be willing to come in even if the hospital's full of COVID? We need your kidney. And she said, yeah, but what about Randy? And they said, we have a kidney for him too. We were the third couple for a kidney transplant when U of M opened out of 7,000 people waiting. Is that a miracle or what? I'm not crediting me. I'm crediting God. The story has to be told that God does miracles today. That was nothing less than a miracle. Three weeks later, the wound was incredibly infected and they had to reopen me. Put a wound back on for two months. I had to stay home. Healed of that. In September, I came down with a raging blood infection called sepsis. Almost died. Spent another week in Ann Arbor. Healed. I'm standing here. A new life, a gift of God. Nothing less than a miracle today. 
Later that month in October, I was diagnosed with the same disease on the new kidney that was on the old kidneys. In December, we were told again by another set of biopsies that the disease had advanced, and they knew what it was, so we worked with Iowa with some very specific genetic testing. And they said, it's not curable, it's going to be there. In June of this year, six, seven weeks ago, back to Ann Arbor, and my wife, who is maybe of greater faith than me, said, they're not going to see that disease. I just believe it's not going to be there. And I said, no, they said it's going to be there. That disease is there. I'm going to live with this, and it'll probably take this kidney. When the doctor called us on June 22, the doctor said, I don't understand what happened, but we don't see the disease. Lisa said, I'll tell you what happened. God. Backing up, when I sat in the hospital, two days after the surgery, not knowing whether the kidney would work, not knowing whether I would live, not knowing whether I would even make it out of there, these were the words that I read in my morning devotions. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That was my devotion that morning. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Not knowing the future, God had answered my prayers. Not knowing what things were going to look like, I had a new kidney. Started working, right? From who knows who. I don't know who the person is. I sat there praising God and crying at the same time. Maybe you've been there. You didn't know whether to give thanks or cry, right? I mean, both. You're just filled with mixed emotions. But I will extol the Lord at all times. When you're laying there after such a crisis and you don't know what things are going to look like, you can't move, you're in pain, you don't know if this is going to work or not, and you say, I will extol, I will praise the Lord at all times. Maybe you've been there. But the reality is God had answered my prayers against all of the odds. The wait list, COVID, the antibodies, the blood types, the dialysis, prayers were answered. And I know it was the prayers of people in this church. Thank you. I know it was the prayers of our classes. I know it was the prayers of my family. I know it was the prayers of our denomination because I serve there as well. I know it was the prayers of our conference grounds family. I know it was the prayers that were on WCSG because they had prayers for me. God had undoubtedly answered my prayers. Against my biggest worries and my fears, God had answered my prayers. I look at verses 7 and 10 and look at them again with me. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fears him. It says, and he delivers them. If you're using an electronic tablet or a phone, circle that. It says, he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Circle that word, blessed. Fear the Lord, you holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I look at that and I said, that's my story. But the question is, what's your story? What's your story? What are you dealing with? 
I'm sure your pastor deals with the same things that I deal with in my church. We all have stuff going on, don't we? If it's not us and our own health or our own circumstances, it's, it's our, our kids or our neighbors or our, our church or our workplace, right? And I mentioned it in my, in my prayer, when you look at our world, our world is dealing with political tension like never before. It's dealing with racial tension like never before. And it's still dealing with a pandemic that we don't know where it's going. Three weeks ago, I thought maybe we were getting over this. Now, we're hearing all of the masking rules for the campuses and students and things again, right? Where is it going? There was a time when I thought maybe I had a little bit of control, but I'll tell you what, when you get something like that that's major to you, you find out you have no control and you have to rely on God and God alone. This morning I preached on King Asa. And for his 41 years of reign, when Asa focused wholehearted commitment on God for 35 years, there was peace in the land and things went well for Asa. The last six years of his reign, when he looked to other things besides God, it was a disaster in his reign. Dependence on God. And time after time, if you look at Scripture, we hear those words, fear not, fear not, fear not, for I am with you. And time after time in Scripture, right from the beginning already, when you look at Adam and Eve and when you look at Joseph, you get to the end of the story and Joseph, Joseph's life was a mess. How would you like to have lived in Joseph's family? How would you like to have hid brothers, right? And when you look at Joseph and you come to the end of the story and it says, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. And isn't the scripture filled with story after story after story of just bad things that happened, but they worked out for good? And then I look at Romans 8, 28, and it says, for all things work for the good of those who love God. For all things. And when you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but plans for hope, plans for a future. My devotional last week, Charles Stanley wrote this. He said, how will we ever know the Lord can be trusted in the midst of trouble if we've never experienced hardship? So what do we do with all of this? What do I say? I shared my story that's a God story, right? The Bible is filled with God stories. Jesus told stories. What is your story? What is your story? What has God done in an incredible way? Something that you thought could never happen and you've seen God at work. Or what are you waiting on? Time after time in Scripture, it tells us to, to be still, to wait, to know that I'm God. I think waiting is the most difficult thing, isn't it? We live in a culture, just watch TV, there's a pill for everything. Just take it and your problem goes away. Not true, is it? Wait on the Lord. What do I want you to take from this tonight? I've said a lot, and hopefully you glean something from it, can take something with it. But if I can give you a couple of things, I would say this, just as David said in the psalm, give thanks and praise him in all things. 
even when things aren't going well? Give thanks in all things, because if he does work all things for the good of those who love him, we have to give him thanks for what he's doing, even though we don't understand it and probably don't like it. David says, we've got to give thanks in all things. So give thanks in all things. And whatever you're waiting for, whatever prayers you have that you're waiting on, I told my church family this, this, this same thing this morning. Keep praying and keep waiting. Don't give up. In the midst of COVID, I've seen so many Christians, seriously, and maybe you have to give up. They've given up. They've turned bitter. Some have left the church. There's been divisiveness in the church. And if that hasn't happened here, I praise God because the majority of the churches have seen some divisiveness. Keep our eyes on Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? We sing that song. That's our hope. It's our only hope. Give thanks and praise for all and in all things. And whatever you're waiting for, keep praying for our faithful Father to step in. I close with these words, verses 17 through 19. The righteous cry out. And does not the Bible, does not Jesus tell us to pray about everything, be anxious about nothing, in everything, bring your prayers and petition. And he says, the reason we don't have is because we don't ask. It says, the righteous cry out. And then there's a promise. It says, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the broken heart, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then it says, the righteous person may have many troubles. Isn't that where we find ourselves? Here in church, trying to honor God, faithful commitment, righteous. The righteous have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. May God bless us in this journey of life as we keep our eyes and our faith focused and trusting in him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. We live in a world of trouble. Our lives are filled with trouble. But you are bigger than that trouble. You've told us, in this world we will have trouble, but to take heart because you've overcome the world. So Lord, as we process what we've heard tonight, God's stories, our stories, as we've seen you work, as we're waiting for you to work, give us faith in this journey. Give us, give us tr help us to trust. Increase our faith and give us the ability to trust in you. Lord, we have belief. Help us with our unbelief. Help us where we lack faith. Help us to stay focused, to stay focused and keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, just give us wisdom, strength, and give us the ability to be still and wait on you in this journey. Lord, we know you are good. We've seen your goodness. Thousands of years, text after text, your goodness. Help us to trust that all your plans are good. Lord, we love you, and we offer ourselves our prayer in Jesus' name again. Amen.